Today is September 27th, 2020. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki. Nagana go meko chase chase komaki. Hi, my name is Red Thunderwoman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nipsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, composed of the Wesley, Chinookee, and Bearspawn Nations, the Dene from the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status, and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands, all non-Indigenous or treaty partners, with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Uh, Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name. I was born here in Calgary, or in Blackfoot, Monkistis, is Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yolanized Dene. I mute myself now. Oh, we got somebody chiming in, so let's see what we got here. Hi, Megan. So today I decided to try um, an experiment, and that experiment was to uh, add people. But unfortunately, what has happened is that I've had people uh, not really chime in. And um, yeah, there was actually some porn folks who came in and showed us their winkies. Um, yeah. So anyway, I just want to continue with my land acknowledgement here. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution. While having an Indian active post status card, I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me through the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I am a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation is an, a visitor to this area of Pincho Tine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I know as I walk down the red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talked about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll free and open 24 hours a day, seven days a week non-indigenous there are distress center lines in your area too my patreon account is native calgarian where you can pledge and support thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support to the show if you value listening and can afford to give thank you to those that cannot afford to give but listen in love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com you can send me your comments or your questions I also have a YouTube channel. I'd love to have you subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcast on pin posts on social medias. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my super loyal donors, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Ben, Brian, Beth, um, Kat, Celine, Christina, Crystal, Diana, Jacqueline, Jana, Jenny, Jessica, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Lisi, Marisa, Melissa, 
Morami, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Shara, Sharon, Tammy, Vanessa, uh, Tiffany, and Veronica. All right, so uh, if you tuned in last week, I was actually super busy, uh, super busy because we had book club as well as um, lots of stuff going on. So I actually got some good feedback from a lot of folks. I have another person who's interested, but I don't recognize their name. And because we've had um, some folks that were misusing the, the social medias, I guess we, we can't have them. Oh, they just left. Thank God. So yeah, it's only pinned on my, on my um, Facebook now. So all right, let's get started. So today's the 27th. Yesterday was uh, a huge march that they have for Indian residential school survivors and um, really great turnout as always, which made me really happy. Uh, so September 30th is actually Orange Shirt Day. If you don't know, go to orangeshirtday.org and find out more about uh, the story behind that. And um, I definitely encourage everyone to wear an orange shirt, no matter if you're a teacher, if you're a you know, business person, just wear an orange shirt that day to acknowledge the significance of that day. Since we actually don't have a national day to commemorate that um, officially, but we would if we were, I don't know, any, um, anybody else, I'm sure, but we're natives, so that's the way it works. So where do I even want to start? Um, so September... The 30th is Orange Shirt Day. October 2nd is uh, the start of Joey for or Justice for Joey English's Family's Walk that they do to acknowledge the injustices actually that Joey English had suffered. And um, so I encourage you if you're in the Bagani area to undergo that ceremony and be a part of that. Um, October 4th, Sisters in Spirit Vigil, um, Outon Healing Lodge will have their online. Uh, program starting at 11 and it'll repeat and at the same time we'll be doing uh, March as activists not necessarily as Awutan because we don't want Awutan to have any problems there. So that's um, some things that are happening that I'm, I'm hoping that people will know this is your role as a person to be a part of what reconciliation looks like from here on. Uh, September 30th, always on shirt day, October 4th, always Sisters in Spirit Day, and those vigils are national. So if you're listening to me in Nova Scotia, I know that there are these programs happening in your area too. So my hope is that that is what's happening. So uh, last week too, we talked a little bit about uh, Ginsburg and, you know, erasure of Indigenous law and culture, but apparently that went over the heads of a lot of so-called progressive centrists. Um, the Mi'kmaq are, they were dealing with some severe racism out on the East Coast. I mean, they do every day, don't get me wrong, but it was more amplified because the white fishermen um, were really targeting, harassing, and being violent towards the Mi'kmaq fishers, fisher people. So, yeah, I, I think it's so disgusting, but, you know, obviously I'm alone in a lot of my thoughts there. So, um I do want to talk about a few other things here that are happening on um, Twitter as well. So we had a fellow from Edmonton who even identifies as partly Cree, which makes me super sad. And he's like, hey, folks, if Canada had its own Rushmore, which four Canadians should be honored? Doesn't have to be politicians. 
And my response to this was, you know, this isn't fun for Indigenous when it's not enough that the land was stolen. And in some cases, these mountains were renamed to really, really racist names like Squaw's Hit. This is the opposite of reconciliation because you're ripping open wounds for fun. And um, yeah, and then I realized later that he partly identifies as Cree. And I'm like, dude, because it bothered me that he, he doesn't have his location as Edmonton. He actually acknowledges the Cree name. I'm like, what the fuck? But I see there's a lot more going on there now. So, and that's fine. But, you know, I... I like Twitter because Twitter has like some real, you know, hard truths that I think people need to hear. But it, it hurts me when I know that there are people who are, you know, um, me when I was 25, when I had no concept of what treaties were broken, um, you know, we, we think we're the country of the rule of law, but we aren't because we are founded on broken treaties. So we are the opposite of that. So really and truly, it's like an actual brown shirt country, even though a lot of people don't think it is. So so we have a, a missing girl in Surrey. Her name is Nikita Joseph. Um, so we're hoping that people will be sharing, like I hope when I share these missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, um, and it's not just girls, it's the men too. Um, I found out later that one of the men that I was sharing is actually Two-Spirit. So that's why it's so important that we always share everybody. Um, and I'm hoping that folks will understand the gravity of that, like we share every other missing and murdered Indigenous, or um, every other missing person. Um, I'll never forget Colton Crowshoe's family had missing posters up around my community of Abbeydale when you know, there were uh, two grandparents and a, and a grandchild that were missing that were on the front of the, the papers every single day. But, uh, you know, the crochets did not get that same level of attention or respect. So that was really disappointing, to say the very least. Uh, I've been following Winnipeg Police Cause Harm. And man, they got some great tweets. I highly recommend everybody follow them on Twitter. And 1492 Lambac Lane, they're the folks out in Ontario that have been focusing on, uh, well, actually, they've been targeted by the OPP. And um, I hope that you've been following what my retweets are on that because, you know, we're under constant attack. And somehow that is so oblivious to other people. And I, I don't understand why. Um, I don't understand why we're still in a place where people are, are okay with this. Um, this was a really good tweet. I really like this one. So, you know, I'm trying to follow a lot more black people and, um, you know, because of the Black Lives Matter movement, there were some really great tweets that have come out. And, uh, anyway, accountability requires five elements, acknowledging responsibility for one's actions, acknowledging the impact of one action on others, expressing genuine remorse, taking action to repair the harm to the degree possible, and guided when feasible by the person by the people harmed and five no longer committing a similar harm so it's so funny because like i talk about truth and reconciliation and i mean from i think our point of view as indigenous people we're always wondering like what does accountability look like to non-indigenous and yet here's another example of it where you know we just have like every day we have new examples 
of crappy reconciliation and and people not understanding the gravity of what we're what we're working on. Um, so that was that was put out by Gail um, Bannister Clark, and she said here. I had the privilege this week of seeing someone accept responsibility for the hurt and uh, harm that they caused another colleague. It was such a rich learning experience for me. I learned from both people who were involved. The sincerity and vulnerability was astounding. More of this, please. Can we care more about the relationship than being right? This needs to be so much more of this. I don't think I knew the transform transformational true accountability could be until I saw it demonstrated in this meeting powerful more of this so much more of this so i was really glad that she tweeted that out and if you want to follow her it's gail um hbc so yeah i think that was somebody that i thought was worth getting to know um she identifies as the president of the peel elementary teachers local and a proud member of the executive and a proud mom it looks like she has a jamaican flag in there and she's from brampton so yeah, great tweet. Those are things that I definitely am appreciative to see, especially when we're trying to talk about truth and reconciliation, right? So that's kind of where we're at anyway. Um, yeah, so that those are some things that I've been really uh, caring about. Oh, Dr. Swan. So I seen that uh, Andrew Wu is a photographer here in Calgary. He does some, he comes out to all of the protests, all of the um, events, and he takes photos. Such a great photographer. Half of the, my good photos are all from him. Me just having my coffee. Anyway, he went to the fr uh, Future for Friday, or Friday Futures, the Climate Change Day of Action on Friday. That was started by uh, Greta Thunberg, and uh, Dr. David Swan was there. And, for those who don't don't know, Dr. David Swan was um, uh, an elected liberal MLA here from Calgary, and you know he was one of the few allies that I would see coming out to the Sisters in Spirit vigils and such. And um, him and Ken Hare and uh, at that time Harry Chase, long time ago, uh, they would always come to those types of events and always had. So they've kind of brought me into their world of um, you know liberals. And, oh, I have a new person that's waiting that's, I don't think they listen to my podcast. <laughs> I don't want to bring them on because um, I, I just brought in like eight people and like five of them were porn people. I, I don't know how, I don't know how people are able to do that. So if I know who you are, yeah, I'm going to let you into my podcast. But if I don't know who you are, I'm not going to. Which really makes me sad because that probably means that there's somebody somewhere that doesn't, um, you know, understand. Oh, they left. Thank God. Gross. Anyway, they don't understand what I'm talking about and they don't care. So anyway, um, so Dr. David Swan was a liberal MP, or MLA, sorry. And he, um, he actually left medicine because he understood that climate change was causing an increase of like asthma and uh, you know allergies and autoimmune disorders and such and he, he directly attributed it to the coal industry and he was right he's totally right that's the medicine it's the science he's totally right so um, he left to fight climate or to fight climate change and, and to work at climate justice so here he is today um, you know retired from politics retired from medicine 
being a good grandpa and talking about climate change still. Um, he had this cute shirt on with this cute um, fire a wig and yeah. I was really proud to see all of the folks that marched for that. Uh, a few other friends and their kids went. So uh, definitely love, love, love to see that type of stuff going on. Um, and uh, where, do, where do we want to go from here? <clears throat> Some other things that I saw was that there was, there's this like, um, I don't know, uh, radio talk show host up in Edmonton that was let go. Now, I, it's shocking to me that what gets centrist and so-called progressives all fired up. Like, you know, we have human rights atrocities every single day in Alberta. Um, you know, but everybody's cool with that. But God forbid a white male who is a, you know, DJ is let go from a radio show who will likely pop up on the CBC or whoever anyway. But yeah, no, we're going to get upset about that. Not, um, not the fact that, you know, we have indigenous reporters getting arrested for covering uh, what's happening in Ontario or at the Witsutuin or wherever. It's, you know, that's fine. We don't get all riled up over that. We don't get riled up over missing and murdered indigenous women. We don't get riled up over, you know, them changing the education curriculum so that people can know what's going on. Yeah, I'm it's just disappointing. That was something else that happened yesterday that I was so annoyed with. I didn't understand why, why 630 Ched and Ryan was, you know, trending on, on Twitter. So I check it out and that's what it is. It's just such a waste. So disappointing. And, and that's the whole thing. Like we're trying to make substantial change. We're trying to move forward and people are worried about this guy. Uh, Seen lots of people promote other people like, oh, well, there's lots of progressive, polit um, you know, grassroots going on and uh, they never promote me. <laughs> Stinkers. So anyway, yeah, these are some things that are happening that I really wanted folks to know. There's a obviously the U.S. election has become a huge hot topic. And um, Chris Rock, or Chris Rock, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson endorsed uh, Ben Ben. Uh, oh, the Democrats, Camarilla Harris and Joe Biden. That's who's running for those guys. Not that I think they're great, but I mean, it's not Trump. So not that I think Trump is great either. So, oh yeah, lots of domestic violence stuff coming out from the white community of uh, domestic violence. Silencing, of course, all the indigenous shelters that are already doing that great, fantastic work, like oh, Awuton Healing Lodge. Um, I, I just I get so disappointed with these nonprofits. I can't even tell you how much I've seen this really great article that talked talked about how a woman who was having um, custody issues was in front of a judge, and the judge literally rolled her rolled their eyes at her for talking about the abuse that she was suffering from the man. And then the judge went on to say something to the effect that, well, you know, I think you're alienating your kid. So she got punished for being honest about the abuse that she was suffering um, through domestic violence. And so, you know, they, this one particular organization, national organization had like these four pillars of things that should change. And I'm like, you know, <clears throat> here's the erasure of indigenous people and, and the gravity of our reports. So Truth and Reconciliation Commission had called to action 57, which is 
you know, education, indigenous education for um, indigenous education and anti-racism training for all public service. That's like a, the key issue right there. How do we have foundational substantial change if we don't have that one call to action put forward? We have 231 calls to justice that talks about that intersection of racism and sexism, and then the added intersection of LGBTQ2+. But there are four pillars from this national white organization had nothing to do with what we're talking about in the middle of this like Black Lives Matter, um, you know, moment in history. So the I don't I don't know if I'll ever really have faith for these uh, you know white um, nonprofit organizations. They just they cannot get their heads around intersectionality, and they don't understand that by doing that, like if they legitimately care about oppression of women, then they will care about the oppression of all women. And they will advocate for all women, but they don't. They only advocate for white women, which is why I was critical of Ginsburg last week. And I lost followers over that. And thank you for finding the door and walking out because I don't care. Um, what are some other things I wanted to talk about? I, this week has actually been really hard. I um, went to uh, urgent care. This is kind of a stupid story, but I'll tell it because this is my podcast. Um, you know how you get embarrassed about, you know, eating fast food at times? Yeah, this it's rooted in this story. So I think it was Tuesday, my daughter and I decided to go for Popeye's. So we go to Popeye's and then that night I regret it. I'm up all night wishing I had not had it. So I, um, you know, woke up the next day and I had like a pain on my side and I was like, oh, this is all related to my bowels. I hate this feeling, um, you know, so really regretted it. And I was like, but this is really hurting, like shooting hurting. So I'm like, I don't know if I pulled something, like I don't know what I did. Um, and then, so Thursday I woke up and it was like, I had a hard night's sleep and, and such. So I'm like trying to really listen to my body Thursday, Friday morning, couldn't take it anymore. Went to the doctor, um, got to the doctor explain the pain like literally I can touch my pain which is weird I don't I can't normally touch my pain so um, immediately he started talking about uh, diverticulitis uh, d-i-v-e-r-t-i-c-u-l-i-t-i-s and so I went uh, he said you need to go to urgent care and get a CT scan to confirm it so they did and I went down to Sheldon Schumer and uh, Sheldon Schumer, I guess, is where Dr. Raj Burwash works. And I didn't know that. So I'm an avid CBC radio listener. And uh, this is since COVID-19 started, he's been doing like updates on, on uh, the CBC. So I've been listening quite intently to what he has to say about any new developments and such. So um, I heard on the loudspeaker, Dr. Dr. Burwash, and I'm like, what? And then so I started listening and I heard his voice. I'm like, holy shit. So I had to get up from the bed I was on over to the CT scan. And uh, I said to the nurse, I'm like, hey, I heard Dr. Raj Burwash works here. Um, I said, I listen to the CBC. I hear him all the time. And she just rolled her eyes and laughed and said, he's just another doctor. <laughs> so I'm hobbling along. We finally turn a corner and there's uh, like this row where doctors do some work and uh, and he's sitting there. I didn't, I didn't know it would have been him. 
Uh, and she goes, hey, you got a, a fan here. And I started laughing. I go, yeah, I'm fangirling you. And so I'm hobbling along and he laughed. So I went and got my CT, a CT scan done. And the so there was a woman there with short curly hair and then a young man. And the young man kind of walked me through the whole thing. And um, he said, you're going to feel like you, you're going to pee the bed. And I'm like, what? And sure enough, it that's what it felt like. So they, I had an IV in and they um, put some type of dye into you so that they can see your organs really well. And uh, so I go and I get the scan done and I come out and, um, you know, it, it, it's a, this big circle that goes in around in a circle. So I felt like coming out and going, what year is it, Marty? But I didn't think he'd get the joke, so I didn't. But that's what it was like doing the CT scan. So I get the CT scan done. Um, hobble back to my bed and uh, by then I'm late on my parking so I'm looking forward to that parking ticket um, you know get to my bed and I'm, I'm lying there waiting get dressed get ready to to find out the results and um, sure enough that's what it is so apparently what they have so what is it what it, it it's uh, your intestines having a bulge so you know how you like take an old balloon and you like you know and, you, and there's like the little edge that comes way out it's like literally what your intestines can do. And apparently, 10% of people over 40 get it. So I'm not lucky 10%. And apparently 60% of people over 60 get it. So that's something we all get to look forward to. Yay! Yay! And apparently once you get it, then you're more susceptible to get it. So um, obviously, it's more high fiber diet, blah, blah, blah. We all know we got to eat better. So that's where that came from. So now I'm on a two doses of uh, antibiotics and um i uh i know that a lot of the pain stuff that they give is i i wish they would say cannabis but they don't so i usually just um you know do advil so i was just i've been just doing advil to try to keep the inflammation and the pain down and uh even today i'm starting well last night i had a good sleep for the first night so that was good so i've been struggling with that all week and um so I wasn't as, um, well, I wanted to do a million things, but I couldn't. Um, yeah, it was, it was really shocking how much, like it was a stabbing, stabbing pain. So um, it was just on the left side. So I knew it wasn't my appendix and I knew it wasn't my gallbladder because I get gallbladder flare-ups here and there. Anyway, so yay. Isn't it fun getting old? No. Send your comments, nativeyyc at gmail.com. Uh, so um so yeah i missed a, a meeting that we're getting ready for orange shirt day but yeah i don't really know if i'll have a huge critical role in that conversation because we have at least two indian residential school survivors that are going to be on the panel discussion so obviously whatever they say matters more to me than what i have to say i might talk about um the book club the most because you know reconciliation if we're talking about indian residential school truth and reconciliation commission is one thing I care about the most and implementing those calls to action. So again, I'd love to hear from you out there. What are you doing for reconciliation? You'd be shocked at how many emails I'm not getting. So I know people are listening, but I know they're not sending in anything um, to tell me about that. Um, on Instagram, I was getting some positive feedback. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Tenna. Um, I took a screenshot of that and posted it on Twitter and Facebook, not that anybody notices, but you know, it's at least out there. So maybe people will know um, your thoughts as a 
as a settler and, and such and, and your role. I appreciate that type of feedback. Actually, I should probably bring that up and talk about it now because that's not very nice. <laughs> so I'm on Instagram. I don't love these social media, um, you know, things. And it was so eloquently said in Social Disorder, uh, such a great, great documentary um, about, uh, or was it, is it Social Disorder? Social something or other. I'll, I'll bring it up here. Um, anyway, they talked about this documentary, which I didn't get a chance to see the whole thing. Social Dilemma. That's it. So I'll just read it to you. Tech experts sound the alarm on the danger, dangerous human impact of social networks. Oh my God. I laughed so hard when I read this. I'm like, you nerds had no concept of the type of harm that you were putting out there when you did this. And now you're sounding the alarm. <laughs> One, you're like way too late. And two, like, it was shocking to me that they knew what they were doing, but their ethics at no point had a, like kicked in. No point. Now all of our brains are rewired. And I was having a conversation with a fellow activist about how all the activists now, this new crop that are coming up are so egocentric. But, you know, obviously when you see the, how the effects of social media really affect people, of course that's why. Of course that's going to be the reaction to having our brains rewired to always have endorphins. Like I, cause I, we do the addiction um, and recovery sobriety road. Like I can't imagine what it's going to look like in even 10 years from now, when you have this whole crop of, of youth that have their brains rewired by social media. And now they have com like extreme addictions. Like I'm sure it's going to be, you know, gambling addiction, sex addiction. Well, I guess I seen that today already this morning when I, put out my zoom link and invited people to come and who were the people who came but a bunch of like six-year-old boys trying to show us their wieners so anyway um what was i talking about i was talking about kenna so um kenna gave me some really nice feedback and i've been busy because of that feedback kind of putting more on instagram simply because I want to encourage, you know, people reading, um, you know, Twitter, some really great tweets that are out there. Um, Cause I'm not that like selfie putting out my duck lips type person, but I just don't care about that shit anymore. I used to, I was like boy crazy when I was like 12. So anyway, um, on my uh, Instagram, oh, really great article about uh, long range, COVID-19 forecast numbers and um, and it's linked as well so that you know where it's coming from. It was coming from the CBC Crossroads. Um, so basically they were talking about how like really schools have opened and because of it and the UCP don't care about the kids or our people in any capacity whatsoever. We're going to have like the biggest second wave coming. So um, the headline from CBC News was infectious disease experts say health authorities must tighten restrictions again or hospitalizations and death will increase exponentially. And they have a really great long range forecast graph, which was easy to understand. So I threw that up on Instagram because, you know, people are like, you have a second or two to get their, um, you know, world. Uh, can we please stop using the phrase vulnerable person or vulnerable community? 
people are not inherently vulnerable, but rather made invulnerable through explicit policy decisions. Literally what I've been talking about forever. Um, you know, we have some folks who actually commented and they're like, well, what would be a better word used? So it's like, I, I don't know what to say. Like, did you miss the whole part where it's like government imposed policy causes problems? Cause that's, that's my answer. And I, I don't want to type that, but it's on video. So I guess I might as well. Um, <laughs> okay. 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 So last week we had, uh, the, um, RCMP totally witnessed a bunch of Nazis hitting, uh, anti-fascist, um, protesters. So the anti-fascist protesters had an anti-racism rally and a bunch of neo-Nazis counter-protest and were violent in front of the Pinoca RCMP. So this smug fucker who's an RCMP, who's actually in charge of the RCMP at, um, in Pinoca, he's on air, he's on air in his smug you know, I'm a high school jock who never got a real job attitude. And he's like, wow, blah, blah. I'm an idiot. And I'm going to say it publicly. And that's what he said. And he basically, he basically said, oh, no, it's okay for Canada to have, you know, Nazi violent Nazis against young defenseless, freaking anti-racist protesters. It's fine. Because this is Canada, like typical idiot. So I'm sure he made the RCMP very proud because that's exactly what the RCMP's job has always been. Um, regardless, he's, he's like, he puts out this thing um, where he's like, oh, well, but, you know, we do need witnesses. So if you have any witnesses, please come forward. So somebody tweeted out that awkward moment when the RCMP say they need witnesses, but the RCMP were witnesses. And, and that's, that's the whole thing. Like, they literally witnessed the violence, did nothing about the violence, mocked the protesters at the um, rally, and then later are mocking them on national television for, like, I'm not kidding, I, some of the best trolls I've ever seen, actually. It's really unfortunate because, um, you know, I, I'm past the point of caring. It is very clear that the politicians don't care. It's very clear that the RCMP don't care. It's very clear that we have the TRC and the MMIW report, and they don't care to put actually institute the report's um, recommendations. So what am I supposed to do now? Like, I, I ran both provincially and municipally to implement these reports that clearly nobody cares about. They claim they want answers, but they don't. They don't want solutions. They don't want answers because if they did, then they would implement the reports, and we wouldn't actually have, like, neo-Nazis you know, violently coming after anti-racism um, protesters. So whatever. This is the crazy country that I live in and everybody seems to be okay with it. So, so I, I put out, you know, unpopular hot take, even if the Alberta RCMP lay a charge, please remember how many people it took to get that charge. This is why we have so much domestic violence and missing and murdered Indigenous women cases. You don't speak up. And I mean it, I stand by that comment because, um, you know, they all get upset about Ryan Jesperson losing his job at 6.30 Ched, but legitimate issue here. And they're just like, dum 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 shit's Creek. <sighs> here we are, folks. So yeah, we, I put out um, 
a video of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action 67 to 70 on museums and archives. And I talked about my experience last week about dealing with a fire or a fire um, a farmer who, you know, doesn't get it, doesn't get that that's sacred territory and sacred lands. And the Canadians obviously don't get it either that they sold them that land. And if you guys really can care about truth and reconciliation, this should be like the number one land back issue that we can work on is getting, um, you know, these places that had these industrial schools, Indian residential schools, um, cemeteries that a lot of them have unmarked bodies in. We need those properly dealt with. And it's really pathetic, I need to say these words in 2020 to anyone listening. And this should be a one thing we should be united about, I would think, that, you know, we have, um, you know, dead Indigenous kids all across the country in unmarked graves. And this is probably the one thing we can probably unite on. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping this, this, this is the one thing. So I haven't heard from you, though. So I'm assuming it actually isn't that important to you. So I don't know what to say, folks. And regardless, I still haven't got to what Kenna said. Where did she tag me? Is that where it got tagged? It must have been tagged somewhere. You know, and I have two. Here we go. Here we go. So, yeah, we were talking about that vulnerable communities. And she said, um, still, I use it in reference uh, to an individual. So I, and as an example, Bob is a person who's experiencing chronic homelessness is part of a vulnerable demographic. I don't use it as a catch-all, especially for um, certain ethnic groups as it takes away the nuances of that person's exper uh, experience. That wasn't the other one, but still so cool. Appreciate it. I have one, one listener. Hi, Kenna. Thanks for listening. And thanks for replying to me on Instagram. Um, yeah, so this was the one I was looking for. So I, I had posted last week's podcast and her comments were also as my family were settlers on Treaty 6, her latest podcast posted this week is very hard hitting and very important to me personally to unravel my own family ranching history. Thank you. No, oh, thank you, Kenna. Um, uh, Michelle, always forever your unfiltered words on um, Ginsburg were very powerful. Thank you. Allyship is bullshit, which is true. And she said to make sure that you include the incredible Settlers Book Club, settlersbookclub.com. Yeah. So if you do follow my book club, uh, Kat is one of the folks that attend mine, and she has started her own Settlers Book Club. Uh, she came to mine late. So she still wanted to do some of the books that we originally did. And I obviously encouraged her to do a Settlers Book Club. I encourage anyone listening to do a book club because um, this is how we're going to move forward. I can't be at every book club. Obviously, people aren't sharing my book club to, you know, get out the message. But if everybody did a book club and had the people that you like, and if you have to have wine, I, I remember being really hurt and offended that people were like, well, what if we had wine at your book club? Then maybe more people would come. And I was like, I think the next book we have to do then would be um, fire water and how fire water was used against our people. And so, and again, it was that, you know, lack of intersectionality conversation again, where it's like, you know, 
I, if you have to have wine in order to learn about reconciliation, then yes, please go start your book club and start your wine drinking book club uh, as to why it is that you need to learn about reconciliation. Fine, go do that. Um, I, I, when I talked to the Calgary Library, I told them I would love to see, you know, reconciliation book clubs across the city in every branch once a month so that you know, if you live in Forest Lawn, you can come hang out with me. If you live in Nose Hill, you can go hang out at that library. And if you live in Ranchlands, you can go out to that one. Like there's, there's so many different places that you can be to talk about that. And that's just in the city of Calgary. You know, I mean, we should have national book clubs everywhere so that people are learning about these issues so that you can dissect the sections of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission or the sections of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Book Club. Um, and in fact, I actually am been thinking about just, um, so Ryan McMahon is one of those folks that really inspire me. Um, he did a really great podcast series in called Canada land where he really unpacked the problematic issues of, um, Thunder Bay. Highly recommend everybody go listen to that. Anyway, it took a year of production and in that year of production, um, put out just this fabulous podcast as the end result. And, um, it kind of inspired me. Like, as you can see, I'm just like off the cuff, fly, on the fly. Let's do a podcast of what happened this week so that we can uh, move forward for next week. And I don't forget anything of importance, um, you know, and talk about reconciliation from my point of view, uh, just, you know, regular Joe or Jane, um, Satchu Dene here in Calgary. <laughs> anyway, um, what was I trying to say? I was just trying to say, you know, I want reconciliation across the country in book clubs, podcasts, and maybe um, I've been thinking about trying to sit down and do I just do the inquiry um, book club away from the existing one and go through it with my friends and family um, with the existing book club. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. And I know I don't get a lot of feedback. So I got to figure that out on my own. Um, and again, it's funding. Um, oh yeah, this is funny. So I was having like stabbing pain and I was supposed to be on an Abbeydale, um, you know, zoom conference. So I set it up and I went upstairs to get some stuff and I just couldn't get off the couch. I couldn't, couldn't get back down the stairs to come to my, uh, my zoom meeting. But when I did get back, it was still clear. As long as you are with a charity and that you have lots of, you know, charity status that you can still get money. And I'm like, these nonprofits will never give money to regular folks who are just trying to do good things in their community. Um, and then, so for those who don't, who don't know, if you go to the end of Memorial, that's where Abbeydale is. And they put up these cement blocks and then put up this like, place for little kids to play on their on their um, bikes or their scooters but I mean it's a safety hazard because we have idiots who are driving like 70 down the road all the time and then they pile into the cement block because they're morons and guess what happened they, that happened again thankfully it was in the middle of the night and nobody got hurt um, that was a kid but like the benches are right up against it so if you're like you know mom checking her uh, Facebook while kid is trying to play on this little um, pass system you get hit by a car and die yay great community initiative but it's because this is a funny part so we have the train comes right through our community really and um, 
because as you all know, the train has like fence, you're not allowed to go around that right away. And people were using that as a pathway to walk behind Abbeydale. So they'd like totally cut it off. And I think this was their like, oh, well, we'll give them a better solution. Uh, it's fine. It had a good idea in, in theory, in principle, right? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I guess that was my week. And uh, definitely encourage you, uh, tell me about your book clubs or um, I'll give you another example of a book club that uh, really helped me tone down mine. So there was this uh, woman who I had met through activism and she was a part of the Catholic uh, Teachers Board and you know, a small group of teachers decided to have a book club where they get together like, you know, once a year. So they bring some food, they have some wine, and they, I think their last book club was Indian Horse. Um, so they brought me in and I'm like, oh, you guys do like one book a year. Okay. Okay. That gives me perspective about 12 a year, right? So then we, and we broke down our book club so that when we did the TRC, we do a small section every um other book club so you know and, and I, i'm telling you this in the hopes that it, it doesn't seem so overwhelming to you in the hopes that you will start something with your close friends your family members whoever and challenge them to learn more to read more and to you know do that um i can honestly say that my my dad like he's one of those people that does not care about indigenous issues one tiny bit but he really goes out of his way because he loves his daughter to get me really great books. So like I have a really great book about how um, Saskatchewan was formed. Um, he gave me one good cop, bad cop type book about uh, a native Indian uh, who became a cop, RCMP. Uh, I don't have it here with me right now, but it's upstairs somewhere. And then um, I don't know if I told you all, but somebody did reach out to me and said, Hey, uh, I have a book. I'm white. I'm a settler, but I did this um, conversation with a bunch of Métis folks. So can I promote your book? And I said, hell yeah, you can. And I ordered to. So restoring the history of uh, St. Paul de Métis, understanding the Métis uh, perspectives. And it's co-written by a bunch of Métis. So this is like a part of Alberta history, really. And I think that uh, you know, I haven't read through it quite yet. I know I'm going to be sending this to our uh, family friend who does uh, The Jig Is Up. And, and I have one so that we, I can go over it too. So, you know, I mean, a book club can look very different depending on who you are. You can have a friend across the country and you two have a book club, whatever that looks like. I'd love to hear about your initiatives to try to learn a little more about, um, you know, Indigenous Canadian perspectives because... Like we, we can't do this if you're not, and we're, and if you're not, you know, organizing something to create something, um, what that looks like can look different than what I've created, obviously. And I just want to hear about that so that I can one, you know, think outside the box a little more and two, encourage others to think outside the box. So anyway, I'm getting tired of listening to me. Um, I don't know how some of you listen to me. So thank you again for listening. Um, yeah, I was all excited that we were going to have this like huge podcast, but as it turned out, only weirdos decided they wanted to come in and flex. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, and also, if you are someone out there that um, has something to say about something local Calgary, something local Alberta, something local Canada, or Indigenous issues, I totally want you on my show. 
I actually find that I, I like it better when I listen to other people. That's why I'm bringing it up. So I do prefer other people's perspectives as I'm sure uh, folks out there prefer as well. Um, yeah, I was hoping to get um, a fellow who, what a cool, cool cat. I think he's Croatian, Eastern European. Anyway, he's a, a new, I, I think he would be termed a refugee, now Canadian, that came here because he's gay. And I mean, this guy's a freaking like tall, huge man. And he, he's just a soft teddy bear. He's just a sweet man. And anyway, he works really hard at getting other oppressed LGBTQ uh, plus people across globally here to Canada so that, um, you know, I mean, it's not safe here in the sense that um, LGBTQ2 plus are more likely to um, encounter violence or be victim of violence in some capacity um, here. Oh, yeah, this was something else that happened this week. Uh, Jane Oxenberry is a local activist here and gave this really great stat that um, a, a gay child at school is like, you know, going to hear 25 slurs against them in a day. And she said it so aptly by saying, you know, that's like washing clothes with sand or eventually it just tears at your fibers. And um, so anyway, this fellow, I'm hoping that will be the next podcast that he'll come on and talk about uh, his experiences of trying to bring in, I think we call it the rainbow railway, um, you know, and the work that he's doing, that's incredibly important. So um, with that, I will say Indigenous have been talking about the issues, sharing traumas in reports, commissions, and in public hearings so that it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor their words, honor the treaties. Listen to the politicians and their policies and platforms. They don't recognize the marginalized with gender equity plus uh, budgets if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, uh, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities. Know that your vote to that party is directly negatively impacting uh, marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports of child welfare reform, the violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls in Two Spirit. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational, justice, health institutions, sports, uh, with multiple reports that say the same things. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. So they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism. They literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, all local politicians, community organizations, sports, etc. A really great article I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. It was written so well and i hope that people consider reading it at the very least maybe even doing a meeting wouldn't that be cool with some friends and family i want to continue putting social or uh, cultural safety into action so you can create a safer space for indigenous people of color those with a disability lgbtq plus to speak look at it as first aid for marginalization um do something having good intentions is not enough taking action Take action to make change. 
speak out against racism, ask questions with those with more understanding, find allies. I'm literally telling you, create book clubs or whatever that looks like so that you can create a safe support system to advocate for culturally safe approaches. Take responsibility for your own learning, read, reflect, ask questions. Don't always expect this to come from Indigenous people because we've already written about it, put out podcasts, all sorts of stuff, and you're not paying us to, you know, educate you, frankly. Uh, the U of A has a really great free university program if you're interested. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases. Question everything you've learned about Indigenous people and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. Uh, internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks experienced by the structure of racism imposed on these lands, such as the Indian Act, Indian Residential Schools, and other land clearing policies. Um, RacialEquityTools.org, uh, What is Internalized Racism by Donna Bevins is a good resource. I had said the one, What is Indigenous Cultural Safety and Why I Should Care About It from here to help.bc.ca. Um, Do's and Don'ts for Bystander Intervention by the American Friends Service Committee. If you witness public instances of racism, anti-Black, anti-trans, anti-Muslim, any other form of oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment, use these tips on how to intervene while considering the safety of everyone involved. Do make your presence known as a witness. If possible, make eye contact with the person being harassed and ask them if they want support. Move yourself to the person being harassed if possible and you feel at risk. Uh, create that distance or a barrier between you and the person and the attacker, person being harassed, if it's safe to do so, and the person consents, film or record the incident. So much easier to delete it later than it is to wish you had it. Um, although apparently if you're in the RCMP in Alberta, it doesn't matter. If you have it on video, um, do take cues from individuals being harassed. Is the person engaged with the harasser or not? Can you make suggestions? Would you like me to walk over here? Would you want to move to another C-train car? Ask for them to leave you alone and then follow their lead. Notice if the person being harassed is resisting in their own way and honor that. Especially white folks, don't tone police the person being harassed. Follow up with the individual being harassed after the incident is over and see if they need anything else. Do what you have to do to keep both of you safe. Assess your surroundings. Is it possible to call other people in? Working as a team is a good idea if possible. Can you and the person being harassed move to a safer place? Don't call the police. For many communities experiencing harassment now, whether Arab, Muslim, Black, queer, trans, immigrant, the police can actually cause a greater danger for the person being harassed. Um, we're in the middle of Black Lives Matter movement. We have total like examples of this repeatedly. I don't understand why this is being missed by people. You know, you are escalating the situation when we don't want to escalate the situation. The goal is to get the person being harassed to safety and not incite further violence from the attacker. And I mean, for all you conservative folks out there, this is like save you money in, in regards to public service. Like there's, um, the justice system is overwhelmed. You know that. So don't do nothing. Silence is dangerous. It approves, it communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. 
If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, move closer to the person being harassed and communicate your support with your body. Um, I, I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of this. And, you know, just giving someone your card so that one, they can even talk about it later, or two, if they decide they're going to move forward, they have um, that witness that they can always call upon. And I always encourage you to kind of write it down anyway, because um, it's important for you to remember that if they do call you down the road. Uh, teach your kids about accountability in a positive way, because these kids are learning it from somewhere, and they're likely learning it from you. If you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. I literally started the podcast and got to see some young kids winky. It's like, shit, man, you can't even have a podcast and not have this stuff. Anyway. That's why I started the podcast to speak freely without interruption, without told police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, sure want to tell us theirs, usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous people, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. <laughs> if you follow me, you probably see me post um, a funny thing that came out of something called, I think it's called a band office. Anyway, really funny meme of like this CSIS employee like going like this with their mic, shaking their head. And it says something to the effect that uh, my CSIS, uh, you know, agent listening to me try the TikTok for the 20th time. <laughs> we actually joke about the ridiculousness of the constant surveillance we're under. And I, I think to Canadians, they just don't get it. So anyway. We deal with typical microaggressions, you know, people dealing with internalized racism, those who are gatekeepers that survive off the status quo, people who are so in their trauma, stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Um, and that's why our lives are a struggle. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. Um, it's called uh, racial battle fatigue. Like, I'm, I'm sure my health-related issues are... Are related but whatever thank you to my ancestors my granny my mom of what strength looks like through your example I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt um, I guess bigger than that understanding why it is settlers are so hesitant um, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through your Austrian roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian it's through her I'm a second generation proud Calgarian uh, thank you to my husband for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of my child, and my support down my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed the insanity of my life. Uh, he's witnessed the decades of racism and sexism. Uh, he was the one who encouraged me to start this show. So, and to our child who we are blessed to learn from every day, I am honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. Uh, my I hope that my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of me trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they'll understand. Again, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Ben, Beth, Brian, Kat, Celine, Christina, Crystal, Diana, Jacqueline, Jana, Jenny, Jessica, Jocelyn, 
Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Lisi, Marisa, Melissa, Morami, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, the Sprawl, Shara, Sharon, Tammy, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you did one donation or had uh, many and had to quit for financial reasons, please know I appreciate your support. Uh, if you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. You can also go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcast. And if you go onto my social media, it's usually the pinned posts. I want to end by giving side eye to the Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> so thank you folks for listening and um, trying to play along with me of, of having, uh, you know, like an open podcast. But unfortunately, I'm, I, I don't know. If you, if you are my friend and you want to participate, please join me. Um, I usually do it, say, 1030 Sunday mornings, um, unless I have a scheduled guest. So, you know, if you're around and like to have your morning coffee with me and we'll just laugh at this week's news, join me. Private message me. I'll give you a Zoom account and we'll, or a Zoom link and we'll, we'll do it. So um, I wanted to open it up to more people, but unfortunately, people are just weird. I don't know what to do about that. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to me. And uh, just know that I appreciate everything, uh, you listening and your support. Bye for now.